0: Hey, y'all, this is Ben Chapman. You're listening to
1: Gain and Fast on Memphis with Jillian and Aaron Shriver. Welcome to the Gain and Fast on Memphis podcast with Aaron Shriver, brought to you by Arlo Revolution. Each week, Aaron connects melodies and memories with fans and artists from all genres of life. When all else in life is gone, only music will be left to leave the legacy of life's adventures. Please welcome your host for the Gain and Fast on Memphis podcast, Aaron Shriver. Hello and welcome everyone to season six of the Gaining Fast on Memphis podcast, a place where we connect melodies to memories. I'm your host, Aaron Shriver.
2: And I'm your co host, Jillian Shriver.
1: Our mission tonight is to provide a platform for motivated singer songwriters, passionate fans, or someone who's making a difference in and around the music community. We hope everyone listening leaves inspired with a positive outlook and begins connecting their own memories to melodies. Today, we are presented by our good friends at Arlo Revolution. Cinematic wedding films, music videos, and promos. Find them at ArloRevolution.com. One Tree Planted. For every 1,000 downloads of the show, we plant a tree with One Tree Planted. Download the show on your favorite podcast app today. And Poddex. Poddex are the hottest tool to get your next great interview. Unique interview questions in the palm of your hands. Our on-screen sponsors tonight are Art on a Higher Wire by Joel, original and custom artwork inspired by our life moments, treasured photos, and memories, and Shed Services. At Shed Services, we offer a full range of maintenance services depending on your needs. Find them at ShedServices.com. Looking for ways to support or sponsor Gaining Fast on Memphis? Then he- please head over to our Patreon page. Tier start at just $1. If Patreon is something you cannot do at this time, the mes- next best way to support the show is to like, share, and review, and subscribe. Remember, you can join us live every Monday night at 7 p.m. Central on Facebook and YouTube, where you can interact with the show, ask questions, or join in on the live chat with your favorite guests. Remember to visit our website, gainingfastonmemphis.com, for concert reviews, photos, playlists, links, and more. Tonight, we welcome in Jay Allen for episode 136. An Iowa native, Jay was raised around rock concerts with his dad and country car sing-alongs with his mom. But it's who he is today that is cementing his legacy. Tonight, we are honored to discuss the melodies and memories that make up Jay's journey. Let's welcome Jay Allen on. So how are you doing tonight, man? Welcome to the show. I'm so glad to finally have you on.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me, Aaron. Uh, it's been a minute since I've done a podcast, so this is cool, man.
1: That's awesome. I know we've talked for a little bit to get you on, man. I, I'm really excited for the show tonight. Uh, we do like kicking off the show the same way every week, and we like to go back to your earliest music memory. Um, kind of like the first thing you remember on The House being played, and then take that into your first concert experience you had, if you had a, a memory from your first concert, man. I know I know you sure. grew up on some rock music, so I'm sure this might be some pretty cool story. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, so... Uh... My dad is, was a hippie and still is a hippie. He has a shaved yeah. head. He has more tattoos than me, but they're like not good tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll never forget. He came downstairs one one afternoon, and he had uh, two jean jackets. One was for him, and one was for me, and I was four years old. He's like, Jay, we're going on a ride. We go on motorcycle rides, and he'd crank up rock music. So he introduced me to the legends, I mean the classics, like – Aerosmith and Led Zeppelin and ZC Top and ACDC, like Jethro Tull, which I don't know if anyone even remembers Jethro Tull. The dude played the electric flute.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, it was was, the flute.
3: I I don't know if y'all, in sixth grade, uh, we had to be in like the band in school, and I remember coming home and being like, Dad, I have to choose an instrument. I need your help. Which instrument should I choose? And he was like, the flute, of course. Jethro Tull plays the flute. I'll tell you what, girls do not like guys that play the flute.
1: (laughs) They don't like the guys that play the trumpet either. So,
3: (laughs) yeah. Oh, you play the trumpet? Yeah. Yeah, That uh, that did not work out for me. So that's kind of what led me to end up wanting to pick up the guitar. But mom, on the other hand, she was a diehard country radio fan. I ended. She would pick me up from school. I grew up in a little town, Iowa. After practice, she would pick me up in this car that I hated so much. It was a '95. Buickless saber and it was purple. It was literally the ugliest car ever created. I um, <laughs> love the experience because she would roll down the windows, she would crank up the local radio station, and we would sing and laugh all the way home. And that's really why I fell in love with country music and the stories behind it and the, the depth of the lyrics and uh, just how a country song is formulated. And I really think that's kind of adventure music shows me and what led me to Nashville, but... My sound has become like, you know, um rock and roll meets, country music, I think because my mom and dad, that's just who they were, they're each so different. And uh my I still today like I credit my dad for um my my favorite song ever. I play it live at every show. It's called Unwell by Matchbox Twenty. I remember, he brought home that record and I stole it. I still don't think he's ever heard that record because I stole it. And that's how I learned how to play guitar. It's <laughs> just rocking out to Matchbox 20.
1: I love him. Um, so, My favorite. yeah. And then favorite. I was a
3: worship leader too. So, I, I, you know, was raised in the church and was in the worship band. I even did that as a career for about eight years, which I think is a very common thing for musicians that kind of come up in the church. Um, but uh, the three different genres have kind of meshed into one for me. So, I think it's a pretty rare thing.
1: No, I love that story, man, because, uh, or that how you grew up, because I was the same way, man. My, my dad grew up on The Rock. I remember Aerosmith, Pink Floyd, Supertramp was huge. Uh, <laughs> and I, like, that's the one of my, I just love listening to those guys with my dad. And then my mom was Vince Gill, Amy Grant, Patsy Cline, yep. all that stuff. And it was really yep. cool to have, have both, both ends of that. Um, I had
3: a, I had a blue light, pink, uh, Pink Floyd Um, poster in my bedroom. (laughs) Dude, we all had
1: those light pictures. I saw my Metallica one from like the 90s, so that's awesome. My first concert was 97. I talk about it a lot. My dad took me to see Kiss, man. I I was hooked from there on. How about you, man? What was your first concert you went to? Uh,
3: My dad, um, literally, uh, we had a 91 Ford Bronco two-tone tan. I love that thing so bad. He he took me four-wheeling one time in it, and uh, he said, you see that handle right above you? He said, grab that. I said, "What is that?" He said, "That's called the oh shit, shit handle." <laughs> <laughs> so he threw me in that uh, that ninety one Ford Bronco, and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. But um, uh, apologies if this is PG, no, but he good. smoked there, the windows up. I got a second hand high, and uh, he took me to sticks. Oh fist-
2: my gosh that's amazing that's funny (laughs) that's amazing
1: because we play a game later on where we play some old songs we play four songs called memories and melodies and sticks might have found their way into that tonight (laughs) so that's kind of cool man (laughs) that's cool i love that we're we're from chicago so uh definitely sticks played a heavy role in in our community man being from this area so it's really cool um for you man so you got your first car or your first car your first guitar after your first concert um and of course you yep. said the matchbox 20 album but for you did you find an easy way to learn to play guitar maybe a youtube video or anything else like what was kind of like stuck in your head that really helped you play yeah it,
3: it definitely was not youtube because we had dial-up internet i'm not sure youtube was even uh, alive back then right? <laughs> but um yeah i mean my dad took me to three guitar lessons uh this guy's name was bob it was at the local university and uh I love the guy, and he taught me like the basic shapes and chords and theory in about three lessons, and then I was just bored. So I I literally locked myself in my room, did that whole thing, made my fingers bleed. I played so much and taught myself, to be honest. I still play by ear mostly and transpose by ear. People talk Nashville numbers in Nashville. I literally have no idea what they're talking about. I just (laughs) guess what it's got me. You can't teach an old dog new trick. So I guess it's it's how it's gonna be.
1: No, I I love that, man, because I was gonna say you and I are about the same age. I learned from tablature books. So I I remember in the 90s, I, I'm born in 82. So when I was playing guitar, I was going to the local guitar shop and looking through all the tablature books like you would vinyl records almost. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Old school. Oh <laughs> yeah. So you start off as a Christian singer and a worship leader you're talking about. Tell me about your time about that. How did how did they accept you coming from the rock world in a way, because I mean, you got to come into that. I mean, was your parents involved in that too.
3: Yeah. So very, very, very long story short, my dad owned a, a little restaurant. It was like a cafe in small town, Iowa. And, uh, so I kind of was raised up, you know, like they'd go there at four in the morning. My mom was a waitress. My dad owned the place. So four in the morning, I'd go there with them and spend every summer with them and like have coffee with old guys sitting at the bar. And, uh, This couple would always be super sweet, uh, and they'd always try to get my parents—they'd invite them to church and always try to get them to go to church. And my parents always, like, kindly declined because they just had a bad experience with church growing up, and um, they eventually started working on me. My parents agreed to let me um, go to church with them. So this couple, Ron and Lila, they've since passed, but they would pick me up every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. Every Wednesday and I went to church with them. So that kind of was my entrance into church. Eventually, um, we were always in the front row, old Baptist church and uh, standing in the pew one morning and I was singing. I, I was like eight or nine at the time. So I had a really high voice. So if, I don't know if y'all, you know, were in that type of church setting ever, but back then in Baptist churches, they had hymnals and they sang all the hymns and all the, and everyone sang all the parts. So my voice is so high, I would try to mimic the female parts <laughs> <laughs> and uh, sing at the top of my lungs. Well, Ron heard me one morning and he kind of just looked down at me and said, Jay, I had no idea you could sing. I'm going to put you up on stage and you're going to sing in front of everyone next Sunday. Scared to death. I didn't. I thought he was kidding. He definitely was not. He was a man of his word, and he put me on stage in front of. Everyone. That was the first time I was ever sang in front of anyone. He put me on stage, and it was like, I was like, oh, like I didn't really think anything of it. I just realized that maybe I have a voice. I can sing. So that just led to me singing all the time in church. That led to me eventually leading worship at that church, uh, and then the next church, and the next church, and the next church led to an internship. I went to the Um, University of Northern Iowa in Cedar Falls, Iowa, and ended up helping start a big ministry there that went on to be very successful at the college, then a local town in Granny Center, Iowa. Just kept kind of building off of that. I didn't have any tattoos back then, didn't really, you know, talk about my dad and our rock influence, and they weren't coming to church at the time. Eventually, my parents started going to church with me. Um, But it kind of just escalated into me getting my first big job in Iowa as a— worship leader, and then that turned into me getting a full-time music director job in Atlanta, Georgia, and then Savannah, Georgia, and I was there for a while, ended up back in Des Moines, Iowa for a while, and and then uh, when I finally ended up going to Nashville, that's when the tattoos started coming into play, and I kind of, I had my heart broken, to be honest, several times in the church. And
1: So you didn't have any tattoos until you got to Nashville. That is crazy.
3: Yeah, I mean, I had a couple small tattoos. I mean, I, you know, I always had a desire to get tattoos, and yeah. kind of, they were just, horrible little tattoos. I remember my very first tattoo, I was 18, I woke up on my mom's couch and she was over me, sobbing, crying, losing her mind. (laughs) She could not believe that I did that to myself, but... You couldn't really see them until I moved to Nashville. Then just it, it was kind of a, just a, a really a, a domino effect. It just happened very quickly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my, parents really my, parent. say, yeah, my parents really didn't say anything about mine. So I got a big black one on my forearm right here. And then they're like, all right, now we got to say something because I had my first one was from my grandfather. So they can't really say much about that. <laughs>
3: i like that man i mean yeah for me it's like uh i, I think once i got older the ta- i covered up all my old tattoos yeah. and the tattoos started having having a meaning you know every time i mm-hmm. went through something in life whether it was good or bad i decided i want to look in the mirror every morning and be reminded of it i want to be reminded of what god brought me through to make me who i am so that's really why i have tattoos every piece is a story nice. and kind of the of who i am i actually wrote a song about that called tattoos to heaven yeah. But, uh yeah
1: yeah one of my favorite songs. I love very it, man. Cool. Yeah. Now, do you have just one artist or you have multiple artists? Because me, I have like 40 tattoos. And I have multiple artists.
3: <laughs> I am very loyal. I have one guy, Louis right. Lopez. Uh, he has a studio called Artworks Tattoos in Nashville, Tennessee. He's actually, it's kind of a cool thing. And I will credit myself for a, a one good idea finally. Um, we decided to have him or fly him to our wedding on Fort Myers Beach, and he's going to tattoo. Our Guests at the reception,
1: <laughs> Oh
2: my goodness, that's amazing! That's awesome. We, we
1: that. got a timeshare on Fort Myers. I can't beach. Hear y'all sorry, <laughs> no, I'm I, I want to go back and say I'm glad you said Fort Myers Beach because we love it out there, man. We uh we have a timeshare out there on Fort Myers Beach at Diamond Head, one of our favorite places, dude. Yeah, <laughs> so we Diamond, try to get first place
3: and I ever stayed on the beach. Where so, at Diamond Head was the first place Kylie and I ever stayed on the beach.
1: Yes, dude, I love that place, dude. We went there for a wedding in 2008. And they are conning us into the timeshare walk. They're like you get a two hundred dollars <laughs> resort credit if you take free, it, be-
2: free beach towels. and a
1: free beach towel. I'm like, you know how much alcohol we could drink with two hundred dollars? Let's do it. <laughs> right.
2: Whatever. Twelve years later.
1: Yep. So what finally yep. made you make the jump to Nashville, dude? What what finally pushed you from Iowa to Nashville? You said, you know what? I'm doing this.
3: Yeah, it's it's uh it's that's a tricky story, but I mean I'm a wide open book, so I'll tell y'all what happened. So um, I'm getting married this October to literally the girl of my dreams. We've been together for seven years. But previously, I was married. I got married really, really young to uh, um, uh, you know uh, a person that I loved at the time, but we were just so young. We grew apart, and um, she actually kind of just was by my side through the whole traveling to different cities and being a worship leader over about eight years. Um, And uh, as I like grew up and started to realized I wasn't supposed to be on that path, she started, you know, growing up and growing away from me as well and finding her own path. And, um, we actually ended up having to move back to Des Moines, Iowa for, uh, about nine months. And I was working at a church there and, uh, she woke me up one morning and she said, Jay, you need to move to Nashville. Otherwise you never will. It'll be your biggest regret. You'll always resent me and so over about two weeks time she convinced me i still had a four months lease uh lease left on the house or on the condo and she convinced me that she would stay behind and hold down the fort and i was going to move to nashville and after that four months she would move to nashville with me so we did the whole facetiming talking every day thing and uh i could tell there was a, a switch went off in the wrong direction where we were just not the same, not who we used to be. and I was uh, you know digging my heels in in Nashville and riding every day and um, started a band and immediately got offered a deal and um, some angels kind of uh, this is crazy I, I just thought about this today actually and sent the guy a message. A pastor friend of mine knew an elderly couple right outside of Nashville that had a house with an in-law suite in the back, like a private um, apartment. And they offered to let me live there for, you know, for the first four months that I lived in Nashville while I was working a full-time job, riding twice every day, networking every night. That was literally the only way I was able to afford to live there for the first four months and then also send my ex money to pay for our rent. So, uh, uh, literally angels, angels on, on, you know, God brought them to me to, you know, give me an opportunity to do that. So that's what really got me to Nashville. Unfortunately, after that four months, um, the label deal that I was offered fell through, broke my heart, uh, and then moved my ex to Nashville, literally there for like a couple of weeks, and she sat me down to break the news that she really wanted me to go to Nashville because she wanted to uh, be with another guy. So uh very heartbreaking time in my life, but uh, I, I, played, I was going to play one last show in Nashville and then go back home already with my tail tucked between my legs, and uh, five people showed up. No one knew who I was and uh did my deal sang my heart out like i always do and get off stage and this guy comes up to me i had not noticed him he was sitting at the bar and it was billy Currington, a really well-known country yeah. artist he was sitting at the bar with his girlfriend he put his arm around me and said jay i have no idea who you are buddy but i just watched your whole set and all i gotta say is don't leave stay he said he was in nashville for nine years working concrete before he got a deal or anyone recognized him and that was really the reason why i stayed in nashville that was like the big bridge from okay, you know, I thought I was a worship leader. I was I was actually assigned Christian artists and thought that was my path until this happened. Then I was like, I'm I'm here to stay. God brought me here for a reason. I knew in that moment it was gonna be the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I'm so glad I stuck it out. So I'm I'm there to stay.
1: <laughs> I love that, man. Awesome. Are we muted still? No, you're good. All hey. right. <laughs> that worked out. I love that man because Honestly, everything happens for a reason. I feel. I, I feel. that people are in a certain place at a certain time, and things always happen for a reason. And just having Billy there, walking up to you and telling you that man is this. It's phenomenal. Now, were you writing before all of this? Before you went to Nashville, mm-hmm. or did you start writing once you you start writing once you went to Nashville?
3: Yeah, I was writing. I was writing, uh, but more so for myself as a hobby. And a lot of Christian music worship. I was writing like music for the church and stuff like that. But I, I wasn't really writing country music. The first yeah. song I ever. For a funeral, I didn't even know I could write a song till so we came home after the funeral. And she, she lived with us when I was like 17 years old, and died from a lung cancer. And so I experienced the whole thing of like literally watching her take her last breath. And I mean, 17 emotions are high. and There's lots of hormones, and I was just like, I don't know what to do with all this information and this feeling. So I just wrote out my thoughts, picked up my guitar, made a melody, made a song, and I actually, you know, like. I sang it for my family. My dad wept. So that was the first oh, time I ever wrote. Never really purposely written country music until I got to Nashville, and uh, I got my first pub deal. I think within like a year and a half, and then I was writing songs twice a day, every day, and obsessively. I, within nine years' time, I've written over two thousand songs. So damn, yeah, it's just not a part of my life now.
1: <laughs> now, are you a fan of like solo rights or co-writes? I mean, how are you? Like, we had Corey Smith on the on the podcast maybe a month or two ago and he's talking about how you selfish his whole career he, he only wanted to write with himself he only wanted to write his own what he wanted to write and now that he's kind of opened himself up to other co-writes and things are coming in for you how, how is it flow better with co-writes or do you like writing by yourself how's it for you i like
3: both i mean in nashville when you sign a publishing deal basically mm-hmm. you sign to a company that owns you they buy you know they buy your publishing so they basically give you a salary um, to write for them, and then they pitch your songs to other artists or hope that you become an artist yourself. Um, So, um, I I mean, that's where I made all my friends in Nashville on Music Row. The first five years was these publishing companies that I was signed with would set me up on co-writes every single day or twice a day. We'd write all day. Literally, it'd be like a first date every day. It was so exciting, but with dudes. (laughs) I literally We'd like have a couple coffees, start writing, like we spill our guts to each other, write this song that we thought that was awesome that probably wasn't. And then we start drinking beers, and then we end up going out that night, meeting all of our other songwriter buddies, and that was literally my every day for my first five six years in Nashville before anything happened for me as an artist. So, I would say, you know, like. Uh, and something will hit me where I'm like, I have to sit down and write that and spill my guts out by myself. That will happen every now and then. But so I, I'd say my f- my favorite experiences have been writing songs with other people. I mean, the song I wrote yeah. for my mom, yeah. which we'll talk about, that yeah. I wrote that guy and uh, just two bearded dudes in one
1: room crying. <laughs> <laughs> I could, Man, yeah. I can only imagine. Uh, do you have any co-writes? I mean, people you haven't wrote with anywhere, uh, any dream co-writes, I mean, that you haven't wrote with yet or Anything that you're kind of like, you know, what I gotta write with this guy?
3: Uh, and I, honestly, like, I love writing with Kylie. She's yeah. my dream. So, um, it took us a long time to figure out how to write songs together. Kylie Morgan, mm-hmm. yeah, she Beyonce. We're getting married in two months. Uh, she signed to EMI. Just went to radio, but her, her and I have been on two different paths, have two different sounds, and we can never write without getting mad at each other or frustrated. Because <laughs> we'd be like, I'm writing a song for. Myself, can you help me? And then we don't write a song for her. And I'm like, what?
1: <laughs> so well, how does that and how does that work too? Because most of the time, I mean, not most of the time, but sometimes when songwriters won't write, they won't be vulnerable and write about their significant other. Now, what if you want to write a song about her? Do you write it with her sometimes, or how does that go? Uh,
3: yeah. I mean, I'm not afraid to spill my guts to her, and I think that's why she likes oh, yeah. me. <laughs> so, yeah, we've written songs, love songs to each other, um, duets that no one's heard yet um yeah i think there is something special like i just you know i'm in la right now and i just wrote a song um that no one's heard that i you know i I might sing to her at the wedding to be honest so i think there's something special about her not knowing what that song is and then finally getting to share it with her so i don't know but we've we've learned how to you know just be open book to each other in songwriting and in our relationship and i really think that's why it works
1: I love that, man. You, you mentioned a little bit about stairs. I, I kind of want to go into all that now. Um, I'm really good friends with a guy. His name is Eldon Bowers, and he lives out in Iowa. And him and I have gone to many of shows. And he sent me a video when I do, he goes, You, go, you got to check this guy out. It was the first time I ever heard of Jay Allen, but it was the video of you and your mom, the one that went viral. And I just, dude, I, I was sitting there watching, like, Oh my God, like just, I'm just breathtaking from it because. I mean, I, Alzheimer's has hit a little bit in my family. Um, a little bit more lately. I know Jillian here just lost her grandmother to it. Uh, I worry about my my parents a lot. Um, my dad more than anything. Um, but I lost an uncle to it too, and, it, and it's something that a lot of people deal with, and it's hard to deal with. And for you, just kind of go through the the process a little bit, kind of kinda how, how how you deal with it, or how you had to deal with it, I guess.
3: Yeah. Well, first off, I'm sorry y'all have had to experience it in any sense. sense. It is a uh It's just uh, literally the saddest, hardest thing I've ever had to go through. So if anyone, you know, know, shares with me that they've gone through it or are going through it, I immediately get all those feelings all over again. Um, So I'm sorry, y'all. For me, uh, I didn't know anything about dementia or Alzheimer's, especially early onset Alzheimer's until it happened to us and our family. I'll never forget the phone call. I was living in Nashville I'm from a little town, Iowa. My you know, so my parents were in Iowa. My dad called me one morning and he's like very flustered and said, Jay, I had to tell you what happened uh, this morning. It's crazy, man. Your mom called me. She's been going to the same place of work for fifteen years at this time. Said she called me, she's crying. She said she pulled over on the side of the road on her way to work that morning, was crying and had no idea where she was, where she was going, and needed him to come pick her up immediately. And what she did, I said, What? That sounds like alzheimer's right and he's like yeah we need to get it checked out so um took her to the doctor she was um, diagnosed with what's called early onset alzheimer's she was 51 years old they call it early onset because she was so young Mm -hmm. and it's so rare to get it that young uh the next phone call never forget he said jay i feel like it's my obligation to bring your mother there to nashville to spend time with you before this progresses any worse and I said, yes, sir. So she would not get on a plane. She was terrified to travel. So he drove uh, her f- from Iowa to Nashville. That was about 10 and a half hour drive. And he would call every two hours. And he would say, Jay, uh, just reminder, prepare your heart. This is going to be the hardest thing you've ever had to go through. And I was like, man, like he, every two hours, you could tell he was nervous. And I was like, yeah. okay, I get it. It's going to be tough. I am the oldest. I was her only son. I have two little sisters. Um, She literally raised me to believe... I mean, every mom raises their child... I mean, most mothers raise their child to believe they're the center of the universe. I truly believed I was the shit. (laughs) Because, (laughs) you know... uh, But uh, you cannot prepare yourself for your mom who raised you like that to walk in the door of your home. She didn't just look at me. She literally... It was like laser beams through me. Like I wasn't even there in front of her. She wasn't there and didn't know who I was. Not only... uh, broke something inside of me it uh it pissed me off i was i was like uh i didn't i don't even know how to handle this right now so i said let's go out dancing and drinking whatever i got to get out that house and they literally just got there so my dad was like yes sir he got my mom dolled up we took my uh my girlfriend at the time we all went out and uh took her took my mom to a well-known venue in nashville called the sutler a saloon and uh Everyone's heard about the power of music. I think there's very few of us that have had the privilege to experience it for for myself. I'd heard about it especially being in Nashville in the music industry. Uh and I always referenced like, "Oh, worship, like that's where there's power in music." I no, I had never experienced the power of music until this moment. We opened up the door of that venue. We took one step inside and there was a band playing on stage. It actually happened to be a buddy of mine, Eric Heatherly, an old country singer and My mom, she saw the band and she heard the music. People that have dementia and Alzheimer's, especially when it's progressed really far in the end stages, they have a glossy look in their eyes. They are not present. They are not there. When she saw that band and heard that music, that went away. She came back. There was a sparkle in her eyes. She started trying to sing and talk. She wanted to go inside and dance. So... Like I said, I've always been the oldest. I've always been a fixer in my family. If something goes wrong, I will do my damnedest to find a solution. So I took advantage of that moment. I grabbed her by the I pulled her to the front of the venue in front of everyone. And we started, I just pulled her in and we started dancing. We were slow dancing to a fast song, right? And uh, the band eventually caught on. The guitar slowed everything down. Eric backed off the mic and they started doing this really worshipful thing on the guitar. And my mom, I felt her take this just like deep, inhale this deep breath she leaned in she grabbed me she's rubbing my back and she said oh jay i've missed you oh, son, i love you so much and uh i was like oh my goodness <laughs> my mom was back with me for a second you know and it really rocked my world and um we went back to the house that night and they stayed for a couple weeks i'll tell you what i did everything in my power to get my mother back while they were in nashville i would uh you know sing her songs Uh, Play movies, Uh, I'm not going to lie, got her a little high one time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just anything I could do to get my mom back for a second, you know? And uh, another moment I'll never forget, um, embedded in my memory, is uh, they had to go back to Iowa. They shut the door to leave, and I'm standing in my kitchen. I explained to y'all, I get to write songs for a living. I'm one of the few. You know, it's a blessing that I get to do it for a living. But I gotta work really hard at it. And I'm gonna be honest, it's it's not something that comes first nature to me. I work really hard to write a song. Yeah. I had just this I had a whole chorus in my head already. And people talk about God, you know, giving you a word or talking to you. And I think it comes to different people in different ways. I think that morning it was a song. And it was a really positive, even though this was the saddest thing I'd ever experienced and gone through, it was a really positive thing. And um the hook line was, Mom, I still see you. In between those blank stairs I still see you in between the blank stairs and I'm gonna fight for you and I would just walk around my house just like crying and praying and uh, I just knew this song was gonna fall out and it was gonna be something really big and special so I took the idea to my buddy on music row Jason Nix and uh, I was writing at Sony at the time and uh, big bearded dude beautiful voice uh, amazing songwriter I just sit down. I didn't say a word. I just held up my phone and I played a voicemail that my mom had left me on my birthday. My mom made my or my dad made my mom call me, and wish me happy birthday. But she was already really sick at the time. And while she was leaving this voicemail, she stumbled over her words like she forgot why the phone was even in her hand. And she just dropped the call. And I kept that voicemail to remind myself how sick my mom was and that this was real. And I listened to it every day. So I played a voicemail. He said, who was that? said that's my mom i would like to write a song for her today he said yes sir so that day we wrote blank stairs two bearded dudes crying our eyes out just uh one of the most honest moments of my life and uh we turned it in when you write songs for a publishing company you're supposed to turn in your song so we turned it in i get a call a couple days later and i answer it and the guy goes jay you don't know me but i'm the president of sony I'm up in my office. I'm listening to your song, Blank Stairs. He said, you don't know this, but I lost my dad to Alzheimer's. Helped take care of him for the last five years of his life. He said, this song is special. I'm crying my eyes out. Um, I would like to do something for you. I want to get this song in front of some very important people. If you make me a promise that would give away all the proceeds to help fight against Alzheimer's. And I said, yes, sir. In a very short period of time, it was on uh, um, Sirius X in the highway. They were playing it and uh doing interviews on it and um i get a call the next call i get through my agent was from the national alzheimer's association the chapter in san diego and they invited me to come perform at their what was called a, ce- a celebrity gala and i called it gala back then now <laughs> I it's called gala <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh celebrity gala i was like i have no idea what this is all they said was we would like you to get on stage and tell your story about your mom and sing your song Blink so I showed up and like you know dressed like I dressed like a artist like s- tattoos out and skinny jeans and boots and drinking a gin and tonic with my band in the back of the room when Brad Paisley's wife Kim Paisley gets on stage and introduces me. I was like, "Wait, what?" So stage <laughs> and uh a crowd of some of the most successful famous people I've ever been in front of or around. And uh I'm just a normal dude, so yeah. I look down, I see Garth Brooks, and I was like, okay. <laughs> he was literally like right in front of me to the left, Garth Brooks, his cowboy hat. I was like, all right, here we go. So I'm a normal dude. I just told the story, and I sang the song, and uh, I barely got through it. I was so emotional. At the end of it, literally, I this is when I understood that this song was going to do amazing things. It was ordained of God, and uh, it didn't matter. In that moment, it didn't matter how famous – anyone in that room was, how successful they had been, what company they owned. Everyone had a moment of uh, relation and like understanding and common ground because we had all in that room experienced the heartache of losing someone to Alzheimer's. And we just stood and cried and uh, clapped. Garth Brooks came on stage and he wrapped his arms around me. (laughs) He said, uh, Jay, you tell your mama when you get back home that Garth Brooks is praying for her. And I was like, holy smokes, that that song raised a couple million bucks. Wow. And it was like another domino effect where people just kept calling me. I literally was on the road four days a week in a plane, on a train, or in a bus, or in a van, going somewhere all around the country to do these galas and play concerts, opening up for every country act you can think of. And every night we told the story and sang this song. And uh there was a moment where we were coming through my home state of Iowa, and uh, we're going to be opening up for Chris Lane, and I called my dad. I said, I have an idea, but I'm, I'm conflicted on whether it's a good idea or not, and I don't want it to come from a selfish place, and I don't want to harm mom in any way, um, but I think it would be really powerful to bring her on stage. At the end of the set, when we do blank stares, I said, so I'm just going to look side stage at you. I'm going to have you and mom side stage the whole show. When I get to that point, I'm going to look side stage. You give me a nod if it's okay. If she's feeling good, you shake no if it's not okay. So we get to that point. I look side stage and she's smiling and (laughs) nods. Yes. And I grab her. I walk her slowly out to the mic and wrap her arms around me. I wrap my arms around her. I, I did it again. I told the story this time. It was like. I could I could just, I could barely keep it together. Um,
1: was it the that, First Avenue Club?
3: Yeah, it's First Avenue Club. Yeah. Um, Mom's just like, she hears the music playing. She starts rubbing my back. She starts whispering, trying to talk to me. She could barely talk at this point already. And uh, I tell the story. I sing the song. I noticed, I mean, there was cameras up and people filming the thing. Um, I noticed a guy right in the middle, big smile on his face with his wife. It happened to be your friend Eldon.
1: Yeah, Ellen Phyllis, yep.
3: Yep. Uh, he, he filmed the thing and he, uh, I didn't think anything of it. We just did our show and I left and I was in Oklahoma city the next morning. I woke up and my phone like erupted with texts and phone calls. Look at your Facebook page. So I looked at my Facebook page and, uh, I really didn't understand the power of social media. I didn't understand the purpose of social media until this happened. And now I'm like, okay, this makes sense. So, He had posted that on his personal Facebook page. He didn't really have like, it was like friends that had followed him. He didn't really have a lot going on on his page, but for some reason it clicked into the algorithm and it started getting just like thousands and thousands of views like every second. And that, that video turned into several videos and then people started taking videos at other shows and me doing that. And it turned into about eight or nine videos and went viral. Now we've accumulated over 500 million views. Uh, world nightly news picked up on it and they aired an episode told the story um people tv had me on in new york city uh, pickler and ben that was before uh, Kel- the kelly clarkson show yeah. they had Pick- so they yeah. had me on and just uh just like erupted into this thing i could barely keep up um but despite all that stuff which doesn't really matter what my and I, there is not a stage I've been on since my mother passed and I've not told the story and sang the song. Um, so that's really, you know, I'm sorry, y'all. I, I, I never, uh, anyone could ever experience.
1: Man, that's just, can you hear us? Yeah. All right. We, we lo- lost, you, we lost, lost a little at bit at the end, but I, I think we got the gist of it, man. It's just, it's,
2: it's so hard yeah, to just watch your family member go. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, a mother, I can't even imagine my mother, but my grandmother, it was so hard. And when when you're the primary caregiver, too, and you watch it every day, like, I can only imagine what your dad went through, you know, trying to, you know, there's good days, there's bad days, and you just do the best that you can. You know, it's terrible. It's an awful, awful disease.
1: And that's right. It, it was pretty quick, too, after she was diagnosed, wasn't it, that she got started fading pretty quick then? And that's yeah. why I have noticed a lot with some people, they fade. They fade really quick.
3: Yeah, it was about. She was diagnosed at 51, fifty-four. Uh, it was about two years and nine months. Uh, where it took her from like alive and healthy to she, I felt like she aged. or She did not yeah. look like herself. She couldn't talk. She, uh, she lost the ability to speak a couple months before she died, and then we finally got to the point where then like, my dad had to take care of her. A husband had to do things that a husband shouldn't do. Do things that a husband sister really stepped up she lives in De- so she'd make that hour and a half drive every day to spend time with her.
2: yeah
1: um but. over the years over last um well this, since it happened i mean or since she was diagnosed you've kind of became an advocate and i know we have judy robbins in the chat and she kind of makes a she's talking about uh let's see let's just put it up here and read it real quick but my question for you was, after we read this, is how does it feel being kind of like a spokesman in a way now for connecting people in the music? But she says, thank you, Jay. Jay, um let's see. From a buddy of Kyle from high school's aunt. We met you at Fort Myers Beach, singer-songwriter. I shared with you last September, my mother had just passed away from Alzheimer's. You sang Blank Stairs, and I sobbed. I miss her so very much. I hope this means something. But... All this stuff, and even Annette now, too, for you, I mean, how does it kind of send you to be like a spokesman in a way? Um, and it does it, for some people, I mean, I, when I look at this, it almost bothered me having to rehash it, not rehash it, but kind of tell this story <laughs> over, like, being the spokesman. Mm-hmm. Does it bring back some memories for you, or just something kind of that you are proud to do?
3: Yeah, I mean, it brings back the memories every time, brings back the feeling every time. I I think I'm just... Uh, I've adjusted that on. Um, it was so organic how it happened. So just God ordained. I, I, he was doing everyone else does trying to be heard and become somebody. Uh, this song my, you know, this thing, my mother gave me a real purpose. And to, uh, I mean, every show I play, I will stand in the table or wherever for the meet and greet. I will talk to every single person. Yeah. They will, I mean, complete strangers will lay their heads on my shoulders and cry. sobbing, sh- show me pictures of their parents or, you know, their loved one or their sister or whoever that they've lost or who they're losing right now. And I just, it's hard. I think it's always going to be hard, but it's made me such a strong individual and given me such purpose. I, I, do, I can't imagine doing anything different. And I will, I mean, I promised my mom. Literally, I mean, it sounds morbid, but I promised, on her deathbed, I was on the road when I had my life. She couldn't even speak, and when I got to my phone, she was trying to speak, and uh, I just said, "Mom, I'm so proud of you. Job well done. I promise, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell your story and talk about you till my dying breath." Dude. So, <laughs> you make that promise to your mom when she, you know in that moment you better that's a that's what it is for me it's just it's uh I, I take it lightly and some i know the for it like why is everything you do about that i mean it's always gonna come back to that mm-hmm. that's all there's absolutely
2: man, yeah. absolutely i
1: love that man can you hear us all right yeah all right cool i, I want to check every time because i don't want to get into it and Everything I, I love that though, man, because like someone even says, God's messenger spread awareness it's kind of like full circle for you, man you, you started off in the in, in singing in church and everything else, and now you're literally still spreading the message that needs to be spread, and I love that, man, because people need you I mean, people that have this stuff, they need to hear that sometimes, and I love that, that you are that, that you're a spokesman for that in a way, because people need to hear that need to talk to people, I mentioned earlier at the beginning of the show, I suffer from a lot of anxiety and to be able to talk to people about that and about what I'm going through is honestly one of the best things. And if someone's gone through exactly what I've gone through, uh, it really makes me, Oh, helps open my eyes a little bit more. So I I love that you do that, man. And thank you for doing that for people that that need it.
3: Well, Hey, man. I know a lot worse for others than just man life and, uh, but that old saying you're not alone like i feel like i say that to people every single day and i even look at the mirror and tell them because it's so easy that we're in the mm-hmm. it's so easy to believe that we're in this by ourselves and like why God, all these uh, but so many people going through the same thing having the same emotions and i think that is the ultimate remedy you know, some sort of solution, even if it's for a to feel better, but get through it. Like you talk about it. We have to get it out. That's the only way we're gonna do it. But sorry for that man. I, I just Kylie, she would admit that she has a ton of anxiety. We've had to navigate anxiety attacks. Yeah. <laughs> so you definitely brother.
1: I appreciate it, man. You okay? (laughs) I think something got you too, huh? (laughs) So Jillian's got a little emotional with all this too. I know uh, losing a grandma and losing anybody to Alzheimer's, it's hard. It's really hard. So this episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode
0: starting prompts in the palm of your hand.
1: But we're going to move on, um, move on to our next segment, our Powered by Poddeck segment of the night. Uh, before we let you go, we got a couple of things. things. Uh, we pulled a couple of cards earlier, and one of them that we pulled is if you couldn't play music, what would you be doing? What would you be doing to pass your time right now if you weren't a, a singer, songwriter playing music?
3: It's not a plan B for me. You know, they have an idea of what they do, what they love and what they're passionate about. They really shouldn't be doing what they say they love and what they're passionate about. I've never. So, I don't know if I answer for that. I think you may have me. I mean, if if it came down to it, where maybe like worst case scenario, I lost my voice or something like that, I would get Kylie pregnant and be a stay-at-home dad.
2: <laughs> I think that's Aaron's plan.
1: Yeah, that, that was my plan. We, we, we have two, and we were like, all right, whatever. Jillian's a nurse, so I got to give it to her. I don't know. That's awesome. So, and then our Nurses. second... Oh, go ahead.
3: Nurses are some of my favorite people. Y'all are a rare breed in a good way. <laughs> <Thanks>. Hard-ass <laughs> workers,
1: man. I want to tell you, they, yep. work, they work through it all. They work through anything, and they deal with it all. So, <laughs> I love it.
2: <laughs> that's the truth <laughs> yeah I, but
1: i didn't love when she was going to school and i was her test subject that was kind of a little <laughs> oh
3: tell me more yeah right
1: no. <laughs> we have a video this night no we don't no <laughs> all right and our second one is you're leaving on tour in the morning what essential items do you put in your backpack if you had to pick like three items that you're gonna put in that backpack that has to go on tour with you what are they
3: yeah, I have a uh, I have an old Polaroid of Kylie and I. Literally, the day we met was this is so cliche, but Kylie and I, uh, our publisher set us up on a on a songwriting session on on Music Row, and we called it our first date. We could write a song in forty five minutes that day. It took us like ten hours with a lunch break. So her uh, manager at the time walked in the building and had an old Polaroid camera, took a picture of us, and I kept that Polaroid and that in my backpack. And so that doesn't leave me. I have a pair of running shoes. I have to work out. It is my therapy. No matter where, I, even if it's running around the block or going to a park, I get in the work, keep my mind right. So I got a pair of running shoes in my bag. My laptop, uh, because I'm always writing media talk. Uh, I could go on. I got a hoodie because <laughs> I, I can't. I mean, I'm can't i I'm a wuss on airplanes. It gets so cold on airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> It's me, buddy. yeah, and then, like snacks, earbuds, uh, yeah.
1: All right, I love it. Well, our next segment, we're gonna play four four clips of a song, about five seconds each. And the first memory you have with each of the song, we'll talk about it for a brief second. All right, oh, boy. yeah, this, these are gonna be some good. <laughs> well, I did some research on them, so I think there's a couple Hopefully of these you you, you might be know, all right. You'll know them. Uh, hit the green one first. Mm-hmm. Out the back door. Nickelback, photograph. <laughs> do you hear a nickelback photograph? Where does it take you, man?
3: Oh man, I'm suddenly back in high school uh my uh, literally my best friend growing up, a girl she ended up being my girlfriend, and we like obsessively listened to Nickelback. I would literally like light candles in my bedroom, like put on a movie, like have her over and be like Nickelback and John Mayer <laughs> <laughs> yeah your body my body's a wonderland. In
1: Wonderland, <laughs> yeah. Oh, we all want to be rock stars, right? No.
3: <laughs> yeah, i I'm immediately back in high school. <laughs> Very much.
1: Oh, well, right this so. is going to be one. This one will do it too Very to you, true. too. Hit that yellow one. Here's the next one. Bush. Machine Head.
3: <laughs> oh, man. I would lock myself in my bedroom and listen to all those old records. And I, I can't believe that, like, kids today don't know what real alternative rock is because mm-hmm. that... That is like um, it's like I call it emotional rock. It just does yep. not exist. But I would I would listen to Bush and Live and Matchbox and I mean uh, uh, it goes on and on and on. That's all I listened to in my bed. I had I don't know if y'all remember those old stereos that had the two speakers that you could spread out or put it next to it had this CD play to like. <laughs> That's what I had in my and that's what I listened to literally every day
1: when I came home from school. I, was, I think I got one behind me. Yeah, dude, Like I was a huge Silver Chair fan. All those guys, man, back in the day. They were they jammed, man. I used to love that. All right, so now we're going to throw it way back. You're going to like this one, the green one. Tojo's coming. Mr. Roboto sticks. But when you hear sticks, man, where, where are you going? <laughs> man,
3: I, I'm literally in an arena in Waterloo, Iowa. My dad is next to me, stomping his foot fist pumping, and we're both
1: high. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. That sounds like you
2: and your dad. I love
1: that. Well, my dad and I, we didn't get high. We went to a Pink Floyd concert. We had a Chicago police officer next to us. So it was Roger Waters, and he's just like, damn, this smells good. The whole thing goes, the one night that I don't want to be a cop. <laughs> well, it's legal yeah. now, but he was a pretty cool guy. But yeah, we never, we never did that. We got to do that and go to a concert together yeah, one time. Okay. That'd be kind of fun. So, all right, the last one. Let's go ahead. This, will be, this is a good one. This one I love, too. Yellow. Yellow.
3: I
0: still
1: Vince Gill, I still believe in you, man. When you hear this song, where's it going to take you?
3: Man, my mama loved Vince Gill. Uh, she she introduced me to Vince Gill. Uh, she literally, uh, to fall asleep at night, my dad still talks about this. Now he gets the best, he hates to say this, but he gets the best sleep he's gotten <laughs> because my mom <mama> had <laughs> a clock radio on the side of her bed and she would turn up the country radio. Her favorite. She would have to play country music at like a low volume level all night long. bills So she loved in skill, and it's cool for me because uh, I start. I told you I started a band when I first went to Nashville called Tennessee Kings. Met these guys, vocalists, started this band, got a record deal, but we ended up playing Bridgestone Arena. Bridgestone Arena between it was like in between the the or the hockey game for the Preds big stage in the stand and i get up there to play song during the first break my band and i look down and vince gill ha- is wearing this hoodie a blue hoodie glass with his arms crossed just staring the
1: whole thing bro <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> 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 looking anywhere else but at vince gill <laughs> I love that man alright we're gonna put you on our hot seat real quick it's 10 quick questions first thing kind of like what you just said first thing that comes to your mind just spit it out go ahead and put the music we we'll try to do a little 60 seconds so first vinyl record you ever purchased
3: man I'm not gonna lie I never purchased a vinyl record my dad purchased all the vinyl records and so I never really had to and I'm hoping <laughs>
1: uh,
3: <laughs> but.
1: love it if you had an endless supply of something what would it be what was that If you had an endless supply of something, what would it be?
3: Uh, Love from Kylie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Who has the best pizza you've ever had on the road or anywhere you've gone? Who has the best pizza?
2: Oh, we lost Jay.
1: See if he comes back. Oh, yeah, there you are. (laughs) Okay. Got a phone call. (laughs) (laughs) That's all good.
3: I worked at Papa Murphy's, and I would, like, steal all the toppings when I was a kid, so I still have, like, a good obsession with Papa Murphy's. I don't know if y'all have
1: ever heard of that. but it's Yeah. Just... I was like that at Quiznos. I used to work at Quiznos, man. I would always make my own sandwiches. I love that, man. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, the strangest thing you've ever seen in the middle of the road?
3: Uh, Myself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> man, uh-huh.
3: uh, One drunken night in Nashville on Broadway when I was a newbie, I, I thought... shoot in the middle of the road. I'm not smart. I'll
1: get arrested. So <laughs> oh well, I lost y'all. Oh. I think you're back. Yeah you were delayed. We still heard what you said, but that
2: was
1: a little but... delayed. All right. Can you hear us? Yes. Alright, cool. Uh, would you rather bring back Elvis or Michael Jackson?
3: Oh that's hard. Oh my God. Yeah <laughs> I mean for I I know Michael I know like there's I do uh, another breed that dude is actually an alien i believe uh, elvis i mean he introduced rock and kind of just being like an icon the first like sex dude on being and rocking and rolling so i'd say elvis.
1: hell yeah man what's one thing people buy you feel is a waste of money
3: oh gosh
1: one thing people buy that's a waste of money that's hard anything <laughs> <laughs> someone said video games once i'm like i can see that but man i don't know i need some video games in my life every now and then
3: Oh, Kylie would say do not. I mean, she she despises video gamers, so don't bring that. <laughs>
1: <when you> <laughs> <laughs> Will do. What's a song you wish you wrote? One song you wish you wrote?
3: Uh, man. Oh, Butterfly Kisses, bro. That is uh, mm-hmm. my mom would sing Us to Sleep at Night. And it is like every time I hear it, I'm a grown man. I still get emotional when I hear that song. I think one of the biggest, greatest songs of all time.
1: Hell yeah, man! I love that. We were just I listening just to listened that.
2: To we just—I made <laughs> him. I made him stop. I'm like, stop! I have to hear this.
1: <laughs> I'm bad in the car with music. When I have the re- when I have it on random, I'll listen to like three quarters of a song and change it, or I'll just keep on re- hitting re- 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 skip, skip, skip. And she heard Butterfly Kiss. She's like, stop! <laughs> I'm freaked out. I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, what's the, what is the most important thing to carry with you at all times? So other than a cell phone, everybody was always cell phone. But what's something that you always want to have out have on you?
3: I mean, I think it's that picture uh, that Polaroid of uh, Kylie and I. Just yeah, I even have a picture of her on my phone. I'm that cheesy guy that's so stupid in love; everyone hates it. So I love it, man. I'm not
1: gonna lie; I feel the same way at times, man. I act the same way. We've been together 18 years, and I still feel the same way. I mean, yeah, there's days, the you day. you <laughs> days you want, days you want to kill him, but there's more good days than bad days. <laughs> and then, last but not least, um, on this one, what's your favorite microwavable food? Man,
3: I try not to microwave. I'm not going to lie. I am probably the most honest person you'll ever meet. I had a very weak moment last night and did like the grilled chicken nuggets in my microwave. And I'm very ashamed that I ate the whole package. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we do getting an air fryer, so we don't really microwave too much anymore. We use that now most of the time. But
3: yeah, I have one of those at the house, but I've been like riding solo for a little bit. So I'm yeah. trying to get creative.
1: <laughs> I love that. Well, buddy, before we let you go, if you have time, we'd love for you to play a song for us. Uh, I would love to hear Blank Stairs, if that's cool with you. Mm-hmm. This is one of my favorite songs by you, dude. and uh, We'll go ahead and give you the stage, man. There's a voicemail that I keep.
0: I listen to it just to speak. Hey, sometimes the silence just like right that. know I love you all good and Like you saw the phone in your hand and you didn't know why It's crazy how you come and go so fast How do I get you back? If I could only steal the cracks you're slipping through Wish I didn't feel so helpless when it comes to helping you Hold on So I keep holding on Every little memory made of you and me, every little glimpse of who you used to be. I know you're still in there, deep down somewhere. I swear I still see between the blank stairs. It's the first thing that I think about when I wake up and when I lay down. It's the last thing I feel crawling through my mind. I'm still trying to stay there, sitting next to you, holding your hand and hoping you won't fade away this time. Just stay a little while. Please stay a little while. If I could only see the cracks you're slipping through. When it comes to helping you hold on, so I keep holding on. Every little man made of you and me, every little clamps pull you. Use. I know you're still in there Deep down somewhere I swear I still see Between the blank stairs It's getting harder and harder To watch you disappear Oh, you're falling farther and farther Lead me into if I could only see the cracks you're slipping through Wish I didn't feel so helpless when it comes to helping you Hold on So I keep going Every little man made of you and me Every little glance of who you used to be I know you're still in there Deep down somewhere I swear I still see yeah, I still see you Between the blaze stairs Between the blaze stairs Between the blaze, between
1: the blaze Dude. <laughs> that song man Incredible. Kiss me every time I've not I've failed to see you live yet but I cannot wait to hear that song live man next time you come by Chicago Milwaukee I'm gonna be front row just waiting ready for that song man <laughs> and all the other ones though
3: <laughs> we'll have you side stage we'll have you both side stage with hell your yeah. son hell yeah man he loved yeah.
1: that dude we appreciate that man Jay thank you so much for spending yeah. some extra I know we worked through some issues tonight but we really appreciate yeah. you, you sticking around and making this work this was one hell of a show dude
2: Thank you for sharing your story with us. It's incredible.
3: It's a privilege and an honor.
1: Well, buddy, you have an amazing night. Um, tell that fiance we said hi. We won't wish you nothing but the best coming up soon. Dude, you, you guys are going to, you're an amazing dude, man. You guys are going to have an awesome marriage, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so y'all are sweet. Thank I wish y'all nothing yes. but the best, man. And uh, we'll, we'll talk soon, dude. We'll, we'll catch up soon.
3: Sounds good. Keep in touch, y'all. Y'all have a blessed evening. You well,
1: thanks, buddy. Thank have you. a good one. Bye-bye. All right, guys, that was an awesome show. We do apologize so much for the audio issues we We worked through it. we got it through tomorrow. My editing day is gonna be hell because I'm gonna be doing a lot of editing, but I'm excited. But if you guys have seen, we've had a had somebody bouncing around tonight so we we do have a we little are a special guest. Show. yeah, we are a family <laughs> show, and we do have a special guest tonight, and he asked if he he could come on for a little bit, so I figure why I'm closing out the show tonight. We're going to bring our five-year-old Avery on and let him hang out with you guys for a little bit while we close the show. So, But we do want to thank you guys so much for, uh, like I said, going through the audio issues and hanging out with us tonight. Um, I I did throw a little disclaimer in there earlier, and that's kind of like what we're going to talk about tonight. The last couple of days I've been dealing with a lot of anxiety, a lot of panic attacks, a little bit higher than normal. And uh, I'm going to be starting some new meds, though, and we'll see what happens, if that could get things under, under wraps. But I do want to thank anybody that's been a part of it. That's kind of came on my Facebook, sent me a text, made, me, made a call, anything because it's really helped. And I don't, I don't know, man, I don't know, it's been rough days. I don't know what, what's triggering it right now. I'm, you know, I, I know a little bit, but I'm going to try to figure out what we can get past it. But uh, anybody that deals with anxiety, honestly, if you have somebody in your life, I mean, this, you got to thank them a bunch of times. I know today I, I had to run out and just buy Julian flowers <laughs> for the last two days for, for being there with me and helping me and, and just... Honestly, listening to me, because if I didn't have that, I don't know where I'd be right now, but uh, anybody that suffers from anxiety, panic attacks, anything like that, you're not alone. Um, If you need anything, I'm here to help you because you guys have all been here to help me, and I appreciate that. And now, with that said, we're going to hear about the Clown Hotel in Nevada. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, Avery? How you doing, man? Good.
2: Good? What did you think of the show? Did you like the show tonight? Yeah. It was good, wasn't it? Jay was awesome, wasn't he?
1: Were you playing with those Kiss dolls over there?
2: Yeah. You were... (laughs) You were listening to him singing, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So
1: Avery was on YouTube today, right? Was that YouTube you were on? Yeah. Yeah. And what you you learned about somewhere out in Nevada, uh, a little hotel, right? It's okay,
2: your mic's on, baby. You don't have to tap it. It's yeah.
1: On. Tell us about this hotel you learned about.
0: Um, a crown motel and it so haunted and and a lot of people died there and. <laughs> It's it true. That it's is actually
2: true. true. A haunted clown hotel. And,
1: and, and I don't know how lot, he ended up on this YouTube channel, but hey. And, uh, a lot of people die there. Yeah? So is, that, is that why it's haunted? Yeah. And it's scary? Do you want, yeah. do you want to go there?
0: No. Why? Because it's so haunted. it's <laughs> haunted <laughs> <and laughs> there. And baby cribs, Babies. I do? Oh. And,
1: and Graves' there. And Graves' there. And you said Pennywise was there? No. And
0: Payton,
2: the Pennywise'
1: there. Oh. Do
2: you like scary things, Avery? No. <laughs> no, we don't, do we? <laughs> Bubba likes scary stuff, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, but this, this is our five-year-old. He wanted really bad to come on the show tonight. And we're like, hey, come on, come on. But uh, we do thank you guys for tuning in and listening tonight and working with us. I, I was telling Jillian during that song that the minute, minute we started the show tonight, any anxiety I've had the last two days has just gone away. And I really very appreciate that. Place. This is my happy place. Um, I really appreciate you guys tuning in every week and being a part of this. We have a great time. This week we actually have three shows in one week. So I'm going to have three happy nights this week. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited. We're going we're gonna to take tomorrow off and we will be back on Tuesday night with a legend that we were supposed to have about a month ago, but we had to reschedule him, and we cannot wait to have him on. But we thank you guys once again for joining us on episode, tonight on episode 136 with Jay Allen. Jay's passion for the music and just his positive outlook on life in general will be his legacy. We want to wish Jay nothing but the best and can't wait to see what he accomplishes in 2022. Don't forget to catch up on everything you missed tonight and past episodes over at gainingfastonmemphis.com. And we cannot wait to see you on Tuesday night. Like I said, we have a legend coming on. So we'll see you guys then. The Gain and Fast on Memphis podcast with Aaron Shriver is brought to you by Arlo Revolution. As we close the book on another chapter, remember, music gives a soul to the universe, wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, and life to everything. Next week, Aaron connects more melodies and memories with other fans and the artists they love. Thanks for being a part of this musical journey, and we'll see you next time on the Gain and Fast on Memphis podcast with Aaron Shriver.